0: Welcome to Commune, a global wellness community and online course platform featuring some of the world's greatest teachers. We are on a mission to inspire, heal, pass down wisdom, and bring the world closer together. This is the Commune podcast, where each week we explore the ideas and practices that help us live this healthy, connected, and purpose-filled life. You can check out our courses, our community, and everything we do at onecommune.com. A modern Western allopathic medicine is brilliant at treating acute trauma. Clearly, there are times in life when surgery and drugs are absolutely necessary, and modern medicine has saved lives. However, as today's guest on the show adeptly points out, our medical system is often treating chronic disease as if it were acute trauma. Too often, we are throwing drugs at a symptom instead of understanding and treating the root cause of disease. This is no small matter when over half the American population is now affected by chronic disease such as diabetes, arthritis, asthma, and cardiovascular disease. Today on the show, I speak to Kelly Noonan-Goraz writer producer and director of the documentary *Heal*, and author curator of the book of the same title in *Heal*, kelly gathers the top minds in functional and naturopathic medicine alternative healing and spiritual leaders to explore the mind body connection the interrelationship between our psychology and our biology in essence how our thoughts and beliefs can impact our physical health what you learn from Kelly is essentially empowerment, that we are not destined by our DNA, that we have agency over our well-being. To find out more about Kelly and HEAL, go to healdocumentary.com. My name is Jeff Krasno and welcome to Commune.
1: My name is Kelly noonan goris and I am the writer, director, and producer of the HEAL documentary, and most recently the author or, you know, putter together of the HEAL book.
0: So you've written this book. And um, for me, when I read the book, you know what I'm taking away from it, and I think what people really want to understand is this this mind-body connection associated with healing and well-being. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Um,
1: Yeah, I think, you know, the book and the film were driven by curiosity. Uh, You know, I just really have a fascination with how much we can kind of co-create with life. Hmm. And so once I started kind of learning about how our thoughts become things or, you know, Wayne Dyer and looking at the book on your shelf up there, change your thoughts, change your life. And applying it to my life, I really saw that you know, I could co-create with life more, more often than not. So, um, as I started to research more and more, I've, you know, came across books like the biology of belief by Bruce Lipton learned about epigenetics and how, you know, unlike we've been taught, we're not victims of our genes and actually our lifestyle choices, our environment and our perception of life is what determines what genes turn off and on or what genes express. So, we could have the quote-unquote cancer gene or history in our family, but if we're making healthy choices uh, and if we have a healthy perception of life based on our subconscious beliefs, um, you know, that those genes will never express, Hmm. so we can remain healthy. So that really resonated with me, and I was like, oh, my gosh, everyone needs to know this. And uh, so I started thinking about doing this film, And basically, I ended up just putting all my teachers, some of them scientists, I'm very fascinated with quantum physics, because it's the same, you know, the field of energy, everything is energy. And that's why our thoughts become things. And and our vibration sends out a signal, and we kind of resonate and attract things to us based on that signal.
0: Yes, this notion of an entanglement. Yes. That one is the hardest one for me. Like I can get my head around a lot of essentially how our physiology interrelates with our psychology and vice versa. It's not just a one way street of like mind over body, but it's a two way street. Um, but the entanglement thing, that's like, you're going to have to like, get me there on that one. Okay. But we'll get, we'll get to that one. Okay. Cause I I think it is, I want to underscore something that you're saying, which I think is very, very important and central to the notion of what you're talking about, which is empowerment that that your health and well-being is not something that's happening to you that you are the ceo of your own health care on some level and uh, you know i read a lot of this guy dr stephen gundry um who talks about longevity a lot and you know he's somewhat controversial in some ways but you know he was saying exactly what you're saying which is about six percent of our um of our destiny is governed by essentially like our inherited genome, Mm -hmm. you know, our DNA, but that we have this incredible ability to essentially alter and control our own, the fate of our bodies and mind and and our own health. Um, Like you say, through somewhat through choice and sometimes not through choice. I mean, we can make a lot of choices about our environment and our lifestyle. And then a lot of that is also thrust upon us Mm -hmm. Um, toxicity in our environment obviously our food system which you talk about and the food options that are available to most people Um, but this is part of what you're bringing is education around that Um, one of the things that I really like what you do in in the book um, is that you frame mm, illness maybe chronic disease you attribute it to what might bra in the broadest definition of stress you know um and how, can you sort of draw a line between sort of stress both physical stress and psychological stress and our well-being
1: yeah mm. um you know dr joe dispenza he says there's three types of stress uh and again, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm putting together, I'm kind of the curator of all this these sure. experts wisdom. So I'm not the expert, but I, you know, N-
0: Neither am I. I, I. I'm a sponge, as I, I told you. Yes. So, we're that's sponges.
1: It. so I'll try to, you know, recap as, as well as possible. But, um, so three, the two, three types of trust stresses are, uh, chemical, emotional, and physical. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, all of the experts in the, in the book, you know, say that stress is what brings us to the doctor 95% of the time. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and I really find that today we have, like you said, in our food system and our environment, a lot of these, um, visible and invisible toxins, you know, so, so the more awareness we have, the more we can kind of make better choices, but then there's that factor that we we're not in control of. Right. We don't, If they're spraying pesticides down the road, we're inhaling them, you know, uh, even if we choose to eat that organic apple. So um, the point is just to be the more awareness that you have about how everything's connected and and how stress, chemical or emotional or otherwise, um, has an effect on your physiology, then you can kind of do preventative measures like meditation and yoga and different things that can reduce your stress. Um, you know have spiritual practices that so you your perception of life is a little bit more trusting and in the flow rather than resisting and and feeling like a victim that everything's happening to you so
0: well i mean what i think that's beautiful in the um in the movie is that you're exploring a lot of these different modalities that essentially address this notion of stress in the in the broadest way i mean there was a segment around sound healing, which I'm, I'm a musician, so I'm very interested in that. And um, actually, recently talked to Mickey Hart, who's the drummer for the Grateful Dead. Mm-hmm. I was a deadhead, which is, I'm um, dating myself a little bit. But, um, you know, and he's working with um, gamma waves, mm-hmm. like really low gamma waves that have cell regenerative properties. And now they're actually. Um, experimenting in clinical trials at like UVA with ultrasound and essentially sound healing to um, address mental disorder and other sorts of cognitive disease, um, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. And I mean, and this is like the big thing now that everybody's talking about is like, you know, there hasn't really been any kind of treatment for a lot of these mental disorders, like breakthroughs in a generation or two and now you know Michael Pollan comes out with a book on plant medicine and like now it just seems like this world is kind of breaking wide open and you're kind of on the front lines of that being able to kind of harness all of these minds but bring them into a mass media culture which is brilliant which is really what is needed to scale the message and is that what you you know is that what you see yourself as as you do <laughs> identify as a, as a scaler or like <laughs> <laughs> I am
1: Kelly. I am a scaler.
0: Um, <laughs> I mean, in the best way. Yeah. It's like, yeah.
1: You know, I think that torchbearer. Um, thank you. Um I, yeah, the intention was to kind of bring awareness to a more mainstream audience or, or level, you know, and it just, but I don't know that I ever envisioned uh, Obviously, I'd hoped I think but I basically just like these people empowered me so much. I was and and people would come to me for advice and like, how are you so happy? And why are you so healthy? And how do you have the energy to run marathons and manifest this whatever? And um. so I was just like, well, these are all, I, I could either write down a list of all my teachers and all these books I've read over 20 years, or I can just put them in a film and then and I don't I don't know at what point I pivoted and really wanted to be about health. Mm. I don't know if um, I just kept seeing people around me getting sicker and sicker or, you know, I witnessed my best friend who lost her mother at five years old um, to breast cancer and she had been, you know, we've been friends since we were 10 years old and best friends and um, she was living in fear that she was going to get breast cancer her whole life. She's been living in fear and I'm just like. Smacking her upside the head, like
0: stop <laughs>
1: stop focusing on the worst case scenario, and yeah. so I just saw you know just like a care, and I wanted to empower people that were sick, you know,
0: yeah, and I think this notion of fear um is a very prevalent one in our modern society, right, mm-hmm. and I mean, you know we have a number of folks that talk about this um that essentially we are living in the sort of fight or flight place almost on a consistent basis. Essentially, there's a biochemical reaction or, or um, sort of cortisol reaction or emission associated with that that keeps us kind of in this state of kind of constant inflammation, which then leads to sort of all these kinds of chronic diseases. And this is kind of the state of the modern human condition. Mm-hmm. And so I think with, you know, you do a wonderful job at is beginning to kind of a first um identify the problem and then identify a number of solutions, you know, to the problem of like what are you know, allopathic medicine is wonderful when you've cut your leg off or something, yeah. <laughs> you know. Not that you would ever do that on Try purpose. Yeah. But no, for traumatic acute injury. But as you say, this is one of my favorite lines in the book, is like essentially we're d- treating chronic disease as if it were an acute trauma, mm-hmm. and that's crazy.
1: It's crazy, and that you know, it's great for pharmaceutical companies, uh, great for surgeons, but you know, it's kind of developed or you know manifested this this Western medical model that is a not sustainable and b forcing doctors that probably got into the field with very good intentions to, it's now limiting them and the amount of time they have so that really their only options to provide their patients with immediate relief, even though it's this chronic thing, mm-hmm. uh, is to mask or just treat the symptom and not get to the root cause with
0: a pill or a surgery. You know. Right. So give me some, when you wrote this book and made the movie, what was your great like hope and dream associated with it?
1: Um, just to help people and wake people up to, you know, I'm just, I have, I'm very, I'm an empath, obviously. I think anyone in this field of wellness probably is. Um, but I care a lot about people and I want to help them. I want to empower people and I want to kind of, so it was just to, um, kind of offer up a platter of like, here, look, here's what's out there. Here's how everything works. Like tune into what resonates with you and then dig deeper on that. It's kind of a 101 uh mm. version. I mean, that's how I always looked at it. It's just like the 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 the,
0: a gateway. the foundation. Gateway the, drug. It's a gateway a drug good way. to
1: being woke, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, I think that's in, and then I also have maybe an intolerance for victimhood, you mm. know?
0: That's interesting.
1: Yeah, I just like
0: Tell me about that, because that speaks to what we were talking about earlier, about like empowerment and mm-hmm. people feeling like they're in charge mm-hmm. instead of like prey to the whims of the world. Right. Where does does that come from? I don't know. Come uh, on, that must be somewhere <laughs> in your soul, <laughs> some t- sort deeper. of thing that's happened to you.
1: I know. Where does I that... I mean,
0: have you always been like... I'm in control. I can make this happen. I can manifest. I can assume the feeling of the wish fulfilled. Has that always been you?
1: I don't know that it has. I mean, I think so. I, yes and no. Like, I I didn't really learn about that, all of that stuff until I was in my late 20s. Um, But I would say, like, my whole life, you know, I think when I was raised Catholic and when it came time to being confirmed, I was like... Like, do I have to get confirmed, Mom and Dad? Like, I've been going to CCD and my brother's an altar boy and Mm -hmm. both sets of grandparents are Catholic. And I'm like, but there's Buddhism and there's Hinduism and Judaism. Like, there's other stuff out there. Like, before I confirm myself to to do this, like, I want to learn everything and then make a choice, you know? Mm. So that was at, whatever, 12 years old. And and they were like...
0: Individualism.
1: You know? And uh, my mom says, I think you just didn't want to go through the... Confirmation classes is really what it boils down to. Uh, But, um, (laughs) you know, so I always had this kind of like, I want to know everything before I make the decision. Mm -hmm. Then I also just, you know, I wanted to be an actor when I was younger. My mom got me into it when I was like six or seven years old. I really took to it. I love like making believe. And and so I had these lofty dreams of, uh, you know, winning an Oscar and all these things that actors want to do and work through their childhood shit or whatever. But... Um, you know, I had, I I never felt, like, I always felt like I could achieve anything. Yeah. So, I don't
0: know. Well, I mean, that. it's not easy to, like, I see, I'm over in the Netflix lobby on a, not a regular basis, but enough to see, like, all these little mice scurrying around <laughs> for a deal, you know? It's yeah. not easy to get that, let alone, like, I'm just going to call up Deepak Chopra and Marianne Williamson and Joe Dispenza and Bruce Lipton and... Anita Murjani, or whatever, and just like get them in my idea. Yeah. So you must be some sort of like epic manifestor <laughs> on some level.
1: I think I've, I've, I think I manifest pretty well. And what's I, what's your
0: key to manifesting?
1: Um, you know, as Joe Dispenza talks about in the uh, book really well, he, he, you know, it's not just having the thought, it's not just having the intention, but combining it with an elevated emotion, which is, you know, it, I, have learned from myself that's gratitude um, but also you know I just think that imagination is so powerful and visualization and I talk about this as it relates to healing in the book as well but um, it's that it really kind of locks in and and juices up the uh, it amplifies it when you when you really feel the feeling so you're visualizing whatever you want and then you you have to like feel the feelings and activate as many senses as you can to of that experience of that outcome that you want, and um, I think that's hmm. my so I would say gratitude is kind of my little secret sauce. It is
0: funny because you mentioned Wayne Dyer, he's my teacher, quote unquote. I met him once, um, and you know, he he talks about manifesting and you know, quite a bit, and you know, he talks about assuming the feeling of the wish fulfilled, and that has always been essentially my key to manifesting is like. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to get Kelly on the podcast. I mean, I don't even know her, and I don't even know who knows her, but I'm just, it's just going to happen. And then you know what I do? I say it publicly. Okay. And then it's not really out of gratitude for me, it's out of vanity. It's because I risk the embarrassment of it not happening. And then it's just like, I'll just do anything to make it happen. No, but part of it is like, you know, you must have had a vision for making this movie and making the book writing the book and then you put the vision out there as if on some level it's already happened and then when you do that life becomes a little bit easier it's just sort of like chopping wood and carrying water mm-hmm. in service of the the thing that the vision that you've already made
1: totally and I think I learned a lot of that from Michael Beckwith going to agape mm.
0: how were you agape person
1: I was I you know it was all around the same time I came back to LA broke up with my Mid twenties, bad boy boyfriend. You know, mm, sorry the, for him. Yeah, <laughs> he uh, you know, tattoos, long hair, Harley, and drug dealer. Like all the taboos in one. It was mm, great.
0: Sounds like all my friends. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been one of your friends. Oh, no. um Sorry.
1: But so after that, I was, and he was spiritual, and he, you know, taught me some a lot of good things, but also just yeah. So came back to L.A. and I, I learned to meditate and started going to agape around that time and um you know michael always talks about how uh you know that the feeling um or the vision catch the vision or, or you know it's re- so resonated with me that um i started paying attention to like how i was feeling when i would talk about something or when i thought about something and um and so it just became this like and those are the signposts those are the the lampposts that guide you on the path that your purpose and what you're supposed to be here for doing. And so I started paying attention to that because he made me aware of it. And um, I kind of got less and less turned on by acting and more and more turned on by having conversations like this one. And uh, so it was just like a calling. And and at, at a certain point, the calling became so loud that I was like, all right, god universe whatever it's like you you set it up because i have no idea what i'm doing but i'm gonna say yes you know
0: and wouldn't you know it then you were the star of your own fucking film you're like that's how i'm gonna make it happen no
1: No. well no i trust me i thought about that i was like oh my god i'm that actress making her own film to put herself in there and like
0: at the like you're very humble in it i will say you're very you know i was on the
1: fence like yeah. up until the last, like we hired the editor and she started editing. And I was like, Man. I told Adam, my producing partner, I was like, I don't- should we do a version where I'm not even in it? Like I shouldn't be in it. Cause people are going to think, you know, it's my ego. People are going to yeah. think that I inserted myself because it's my last, you know, chance to be on camera or whatever. And he's like, no, he's like, we need you to kind of connect to the audience. And so they convinced me. And, but that was like kind of an uncomfortable thing to get over as well.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you a question um, about, uh, like social media and Instagram and stuff like that. So I have three daughters, as I've told you about. One who's 15, Phoebe, who's a bit of an influencer in some way herself, has kind of gamed um, Instagram to both my awe and horrification or whatever <laughs> at the same time. Yep. Um, but, you know, here's the issue for me, is that we live in this world that essentially, uh, you know, like our religion is generally like the one we call capitalism. And then, and it offers, you know, like Christianity, a certain form of paradise. Um, and unlike Christianity, people are more than happy to adhere to its values, um, <laughs> which is like, I'm just going to keep buying things in search of happiness. I'm going to devour any good and service in the material world in order to feed mm-hmm. some sort of sense of contentment that I have. And one of the issues is that we are sort of constantly bombarded with this notion that we're not enough and then marketed ways to compensate for that, right? Mm -hmm. And that this is very, very prevalent for teens, especially girls. And then when I go back to the beginning of your book and I'm like reading like, oh, well, it's all about stress, then I'm like, fuck capitalism, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I mean, yeah, it's a great system for getting some people out of poverty. It certainly, worked better than communism. But at the same time, like, I worry that if we live in this kind of societal structure that reinforces that idea that we're not enough, and then just endlessly markets things for to us to compensate, are we basically fucked? Mm. Like, or is society the way that we've created the structures just? inevitably going to make us sick
1: yeah i mean yes and yes and then i ha- i have to say that like you know or my my hope is that things like instagram where it's just causing so much anxiety and depression in younger and younger people because they're comparing themselves to other people and the likes they're qualifying their popularity and their enoughness and worthiness by there's a you know quantifier or qualifier now um and Instagram's trying to play with that and like remove the likes and all this stuff and mm. but again it's just filters and comparing yourself to non reality, you know? And uh but I just have to believe that like at a certain point that's gonna implode on itself and we're gonna wake up to different kind of desires yeah. and values, hopefully.
0: Disconnect. Yeah. Well, and it's <laughs> also like we we're playing inside I'm not some shaman on a with a merlin's cap on top of a hill like as reckless i'm inside the world i use instagram i mean a bit for myself but certainly for my company you use it you know do you get like like are you like uh how much engagement (sighs) did that have and do you feel are you associated with the anxiety for it or you're like okay i kind of know what this does to me so i can get some space
1: i'm pretty aware of it and i mean i do i do like question like oh okay if i average you know let's say 1200 likes on something uh and then one post gets like 353 or whatever i'm like like, "Hmm." wait a second do they like not like the person in the photo with or was it posted at the wrong time like like it's a waste of time to even think about but i'm not i'm not obsessed with it i'm almost like it's such a great tool i mean we we literally built our grassroots um audience and like mar- marketing basically for free for for heal mm-hmm. um two years ago or three years ago and it's a wonderful you know people want inspiring content too uh so that's cool but i i just it's like stressful for me to post like i'm not one of those people that are just like a natural like <laughs> Tagger and hashtag her and, and swipe and swipe up and put the link like it's it takes a lot of energy for me to do that yeah i'm sure your daughter is probably like profoundly oh, great at it yeah yeah so i'm just I not agree. that person so that that's what causes me stress is this pressure to maintain this kind of influencer you know they say like right. i don't post every day and you're supposed to post twice a day or whatever you know i'm just like ugh. so yeah. but i don't feel i feel the pressure in the moment and then i'm just like this is it's just not me so If it's not that natural, like, I'm going to do what I can and I let it go and go play with my baby, you know?
0: Yeah. Do you believe in God?
1: I do believe in God, but I don't know that God is how I was taught God is. I Mm. believe that, I mean, I could tell you what my beliefs are. It's basically like a super intelligent uh, energy, which is, you know, this field of unconditional love and intelligence uh that is so mind-boggling intelligent that it's got everything you know transcending time and has this just divine plan you know working with energy and how it, you know and we go back and it's our source and we go back to that source when we're not incarnated as humans which is pure unconditional love uh but again it's like a combination of love and, and intelligence that is indescribable to mm-hmm. our human minds
0: and do you access you, that relate the relationship with that force. How do you act? I mean, pray or meditate, or or it's just you.
1: Both. You've, I meditate. Yeah. I meditate. I pray. I. Um, it's funny. I read. Uh, someone just gifted me a book, a ch- children's book by Neil Donald Walsh. I don't know if you know that series.
0: Hmm. I know him a bit. Yeah. But I don't know the series.
1: It's it's two two books at at this point, but um, it had like a profound shift in me yesterday. Uh, and it's actually the other book that I haven't read yet, but the person who gifted it to me told me about it. And it's about like these soul, it talks about how the soul comes into the body and what you learn. And it's really funny how like, before he comes, you know, the, the child comes into the world, it's this little soul and God's like, you're going to forget about me. And the, the little mm-hmm. soul's like, no, oh, well, I'll never forget about you. It's very funny, but it's also profound. And and so like in one of the books, you know, that the soul comes in to learn how to forgive. And they told, you know, the the person that they need to forgive, this person that triggers you most in life or wrongs you in the big way is uh, actually like your best friend's soul back on the other side. Like, oh. you're, you know what I mean? And you made this oh, yeah. pact to come in together and yet you want to strangle this person or do awful things to this person in life, you know? And so for me, it profoundly shifted because I have a person in my life that I want to do bad things to because she does bad things to me.
0: How you do currently? Currently, and oh, I'm geez.
1: constantly working through it. I'm like, I know, you know, spiritually and intellectually, like I know she's my teacher, and I know all these things. But it, like, I still just, and I blame her for a lot. And then I'm like, wait, I'm mad at her for blaming me for things that I haven't done. And so it's, but but I read this child children's book, and I and I was like, holy shit! Like, so I'm now picturing it in this way where she and I are best. Friend souls back on the other side in the same soul family, like so loving and like inseparable, and we made this pact. And now I'm just I've I've just totally shifted how I look at her, and it's crazy, like just from a children's book yesterday, and that is super cool.
0: Wow, and I'm not I'm sure you're not like calling her for coffee. New, new, new.
1: (laughs) We'll do that back on the other side. Here, <laughs> right. Yeah. Here we go. There's going. still boundaries. Yeah, okay. But <laughs> I just don't, I'm not. i am not like, I love that book. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Oh
0: my so far. God, yeah, you're screwing with me a little bit because I, you know, I've been, I had my own kind of like well, you know, spiritual awakening, sort of like hard to say that with a, with any humility. Um, and it was based in some kind of like crisis-ish thing. And like I have my you know, I suppose the protagonist in that drama novel um telenovela <laughs> um who's also whose name is also Jeff, Wow, and I'm like, oh fuck, it's just the worst version of me mm. and that's what like wow. I've started to realize, totally. and I'm just like, oh yeah, that's that like bloated super heavy drinker, irrational mean spirited egocentric I don't hate to cut them down that way yeah. but that's me that's the worst version of myself it's essentially my ego
1: yeah wow Personified. and
0: yeah right and then I'm like whoa like and that person taps you on the shoulder he's your little self right mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there's this Rabindranath Tagore poem. I'll send it to you. Maybe I'll post it along with this video. Essentially talking about how um, your little self, your ego knows no shame, mm. but he is ashamed to go to to God's doorstep in his presence. It's such a nice poem. I'll send it to you. Um, and, uh, and this is the big deal because, and, and it's not, it's completely related to heal because <laughs> You know, you talk about forgiveness um, and, you know, you can say like, oh, forgive people and it'll make you well. "Eh, Okay, yeah, whatever. But then if you actually really start to truly unpack that and be there, um, you know, forgiveness is not just a gift you give to someone else. It's a gift that you give to yourself. Mm -hmm. And essentially, it's like you can hold resentment and anger towards this woman or how I hold it and... You know, you can be plotting all night, you know, of like all sorts of treacherous revenge. I'm sure you've been there the Dark Soul of the Night. I've been there.
1: 48 hours ago.
0: Yep. And, uh, but guess what? When you're holding that ember, waiting around, plotting to throw it at her, who's getting burned? Me. Old Kelly. Yep. Yeah. Jeff's gotten burned enough to be like, holy shit forgiveness is actually about detoxifying myself, getting rid of that anger. Mm -hmm. So I am not in that place where cortisol is flowing through my body Mm -hmm. endlessly, that I can be well and that there is a difference between that basically you do not have to forsake justice to forgive. Mm -hmm. You can still hold someone accountable.
1: Mm. And that is like the drop the mic. I mean, it's the hardest thing to learn and it's the probably the key ingredient to to really healing, mm. um, in a lot of ways for the more kind of profound. It, I I've just heard so many different versions of the story, um, and it just comes down like Joan Borisanko is in the is in the book, and she said you know she ran a mind body clinic, and what they found when when they sent people away and the ones who didn't heal, she said ninety nine percent of the time it always came back. They were holding on to some regret or resentment Hmm. you know so for not forgiving themselves or not forgiving someone else and uh another person with cancer that was like doing everything right and you know pro athletes like vegan like all the like quote unquote healthy things and there was no reason why he should have developed cancer and um someone that was very conscious sat down with him and she just got the call to ask him like who do you need to forgive and he just had this profound like realization and did work around forgiving. And he like turned around and healed within weeks. Mm. And I just like, and it's funny because I, I've been seeped in learning about forgiveness for three years and I yeah. still, still can't yeah. find how to forgive this woman. And
0: oh. Oh, maybe hopefully, right here, right here <laughs> yeah, on the right podcast. Now. Uh, um, yeah, forgiveness is the fragrance the violet sheds on the heel that has crushed it. <sighs>
1: does Wayne Dyer said so is that like half feast or something It's
0: uh, Mark Twain but oh. Wayne quotes that <laughs> okay. quite often yeah um, last question and then you can go feed your baby um, or go to Lakers game whatever <laughs> whichever one you want to do <laughs> I'll go to Lakers game and you to the okay. um, so it's the Com podcast have to ask you a question about community what is the interrelationship between community? Friends, family, neighborhood, however you want to describe it, and healing.
1: Uh, Also, a quintessential factor of healing um, is community. I think, you know, in this larger spiritual conversation, um, Greg Braden talks about it. Marianne Williams talks about it. Williamson talks about it. And it's about how kind of our medical model is based on separation, you know. And Mm. um, we need to bring it back to connection and like being aware that everything in our body is connected everything organs systems you know microbes and human cells we're all in community um within the body and then in the in the human realm or the you know people realm um you know studies upon studies upon studies are showing that social support actually you know prolongs life by however many 50 percent or more um and also, you know, group healing, like Joe Dispenza, um, Lynn McTaggart, they all talk about this research and science where they're measuring the field uh, when people get together and send an intention, you know, get their brain and heart in coherence through meditation, and then have a s- intention that they send through now their higher vibration, coherent vibration to this person, and it completely shifts their field and their, you know, miraculous healings occur. So. Yeah. Community is—it's is, in—it's mind-blowing. Yeah, um, I
0: mean, Mark Hyman's doing the same thing. He's doing trials at Cleveland Clinic, where he's treating people with chronic disease. Some people, one-on-one, some people, in community and groups, and the people in groups are healing at like three x. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just—it's mind boggling I mean, in some ways, argh, capitalism again. It's <laughs> like the the uh, undermining of the family unit and community has I think been a big contributor Mm. to chronic disease um I you know it'd be fascinating to look are you familiar with the blue zones yeah yeah I've been kind of like poking at the blue zones lately and like like what makes them so different Mm. like why are people cognitively and physiologically thriving into their hundreds and you know you can check a lot of boxes there. community obviously like huge one Mm -hmm. but it's also like the value set underneath those societies are not like you know money 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 consume 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 it's actually you know they're community oriented societies Mm -hmm. um that just have a different value structure totally um and i think it's you know how can we reinstill that spirit of community in our own kind of like hectic modern world. We're not going to undo some of that stuff, but like really just build those group that those networks of real person, person to person relationships. Yes. That's right. So huge.
1: Exactly. And the, the, the false community of that's, you know, through tech is, yeah. is not what we're talking about here. I mean, it could be, but most often, the tech communities uh, or social media, for instance, might make you feel more isolated or lonely, which goes the opposite. So it's it's you know going on a retreat at the commune or <laughs> yes. other things like that um, where I want to f- do one for heal. Yeah, we should. Yeah, but also the just the final point on those group healings um, and and how community these you know in the blue zones, it's not just the person who is the receiver of the healing and the intention, the person in the middle, the they're actually measuring um, profound healing effects in the people that are sending the intention and giving mm. the love and um, visualizing the other person's healing. They're healing as well. So that's cool.
0: Mm. That's amazing.
1: In giving, you receive.
0: Oh. I'll try. <laughs> I'll try. You selfish bastard. Yes, that's I know. That's not the first time I've been called that today. <laughs> Thank you for coming all the way up to our weird little retreat in Topanga. Love it. Congratulations on your book, your movie. Thanks. Thank you for being the torchbearer for the kind of the new frontier of wellness and healing and well-being. Thank you, I'm you so much. Very grateful for that.
1: Thank you. Thank All you right. for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode with Kelly noonan Gores. To find out more about Kelly's work, go to Healdocumentary.com. If you have any questions or comments on today's episode or the show in general, shoot me an email at jeffk at onecommune.com. And please drop us a review. My mom prints them all out and reads them at Thanksgiving. I would really appreciate it. That's all from the Commune for this week. I am Jeff Krasno, and I'll see you next time. Bye. We'll yeah.